I would like to start with the question that I stopped here. What does the electron look like? And I want to ask you this question. On the one hand, you have the Rutherford picture, the nucleus of an atom with the electron shows two balls in orbit. This is a picture that you will see everywhere, I think, every textbook. On the right-hand side, we have a picture where the electron is shown as a field. It is not a probability distribution. It is an aspect of, it is a property of space. The space around the nucleus, and I, as we will see later, I use color as an analogy to represent fields. So I show the electron as the yellowness of the space around the nucleus. Which, now, let me ask you this. Does everybody here believe that there is a reality that exists? Is there anybody who does not believe there is a reality? Please raise your hand. Good. Does everybody here, and I think this is basically physicists, we are all physicists here, is it the job of physics to understand what that reality is? Is there anybody who disagrees with that? You do. Would you please keep the room, sir? <laughs> you will not be interested in my talk because I believe that it is the job of physics. And if you don't think so, by the way, the point of view is correct. Let me read you a quote. Uh, by Stephen Weinberg, a Nobel laureate, talking about fields. Stephen Weinberg believes in fields, but it is truly surprising how little difference all this makes. Most physicists use quantum mechanics every day in their working lives without needing to worry about the fundamental problem of its interpretation. Being sensible people, you sir are a sensible person, with very little time to follow up all the ideas and data in their own specialties, and not having to worry about this fundamental problem, they do not worry about it. I understand this. On the other, but I hope you will stay anyway. <laughs> and hear why it is important that physicists do understand what reality is made of, even if they don't use that in their daily work. Uh, I might, while I'm reading quotes, well, first let me ask, out of curiosity, please, um, if you have to choose, you said, everybody says there is a reality. Okay, we must be able to form a picture of that reality. We can't see it directly with our own eyes. The atomic world is beyond our perception. But we can deduce theories. We can try out theories and see how they work. So you, senior people, students, can I ask for a, a, a vote, please? Raise your hand. How many people think the electron looks like this? Everybody dies. No. <laughs> Nobody? How many people think?
thing to you, I'm looks like this. How do you look? Four hands. And the rest of you? What is the black point? What is the black point of the right hand? Ah, good question. The red dot here is the nucleus of the which is also a field. I use red for the for the heavy matter field, and I use yellow for the light leptin fields. So the rest of you, you don't know, maybe? I was speaking to somebody yesterday, saying, well, it's both. And I would like to read a quote about the idea that it's both. This is not by a Nobel laureate physicist. His name is Norson, and he says, prove, think about it, wave-particle duality is a paradox, because particles are, by definition, localized entities that follow definite trajectories, while waves are not confined to any particular path or region of space. How could the same thing be both confined and not confined, both the particle and the wave? We've all heard the physicist's joke, perhaps, that light is a wave on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It is a particle on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And on Sunday, we think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think what I'm hearing is what I expected to hear, that physicists don't worry about this question. But it is, I'm here because I think it is very important that physicists understand, even if they have other projects, that they understand what reality is made of. It is the job of physics to know that. And it should be told to the public. The public is completely unaware that quantum field theory exists. Look at my t-shirt. What part of the quantum theory don't you understand? You see, the point of this is nobody, everybody thinks that quantum theory is mysterious, is weird, and I'll move up tomorrow. So let, let me get on then to the talk. I, I hope by the end of the talk, I will have convinced you that the interpretation on the right, the field picture, is a much better model for many reasons, and it is important that physicists understand this and that they help to tell other people. Maybe this, and you know, it's been a long time since the Rutherford model was introduced. It's over a hundred years. And that model has a hundred years of momentum behind it. Now, I do not hear very well, so. Okay. So, do you speak about the quantum mechanics or quantum theory? Well, thank you. Um, I am here to speak about quantum field theory. There could not be more difference between quantum mechanics, which is a theory of particles, with the word mechanics. And quantum mechanics is made of particles. What is a Schrodinger equation that describes the probability that a particle is here or here or here? In quantum field theory, there are no particles. There are only fields. And the electron is a quantum of that field. 
Now, I'm going to start by telling you quickly my story, and then the story of my hero, Julian Springer, from whom I learned quantum field I called him the forgotten genius of physics. How many people are by any chance familiar with the work of Julian Schmincher? Please raise your hand if you Okay, respectable, less than half. One of the greatest physicists ever. Uh, I was lucky enough to be at Harvard University as a graduate student in 1956. Schwinger had just completed his grand synthesis of quantum field theory. Five papers called The Theory of Quantized Fields in the Physical Review. Papers that nobody has read, almost. Papers that nobody understands. I sat through three years of courses. What Schwinger did was to develop from a few principles that I will show you this wonderful theory that explains everything. In on field theory, there are equations, field equations, there are operator equations in Hilbert space, because Hilbert space is the algebra of quantum theory. It's one of the principles that we'll come to. In quantum field theory, if you take equations for the electron field that's shown here and solve them and take the non-relativistic limit you come out with the Schrodinger equation. But in quantum field theory it is the intensity of the field or the intensity of the field squared that you get. Not a probability of a power. So I'm now going to try to tell you the principles of quantum field theory uh, in Schwinger's version. First of all, of course, is the field principle. The world is made of fields, not particles. Not an easy concept. Anybody on the street can picture particles. We all know what a ball looks like. Fields, I think, if you're like me, it took me a year of studying physics, the electromagnetic theories, to get comfortable with the idea of a field being a property of space. In the book that I've written, called Fields of Color, The Theory That Escaped Einstein, I use this color analogy. I use blue for the gravitational field. I use green for the electromagnetic field, for example. I use yellow for the electron field, or lepton field in general, and red for the variable, or proton-neutron fields. So, Schwinger assumed that the world is made of fields. Of course, I understand that any theory is only a theory, and it's our choice whether to adopt it or not. We if it makes sense, if it explains that there are competing theories, we try to choose the best one. Um, I'm going to skip over this quickly. This just illustrates, I might come back to it. This illustrates that color is imaginary. 
and therefore it's a good way to picture fields. Color does not exist automatically. I, I like this optical illusion. If you look at this tile here and this tile here, they're the same color. Isn't it amazing that they don't look the same color? But the electromagnetic frequencies coming from each are the same. But because of the surroundings, our brain creates colors. It's our brain and colors are created. Okay. The second principle that Schwinger introduced was the basis, the quantum principle, discretization. The physical quantities in nature are discrete. He started with a Stern Gerlach, whoops, he started with a Stern Gerlach experiment, which you all know, and the angular momentum of an atom has only two values, and if it happens to be in a different angular momentum state, it is a superposition of up and down. And from this, this leads you into Hilbert algebra as a natural algebra for describing physical quantities. He took this and he said, okay, we will describe everything, including field intensities, with Hilbert algebra. And then finally, the relativity principle. Uh, as I, everybody understands this, in 1905, Einstein introduced his knowledge <coughs> The same laws of electrodynamics and optics will be valid for all frames of reference for which equations of mechanics hold good. This is the principle of relativity. Uh, there's another way of looking at it. The question is, did God start with this principle and then create everything to it follow the principle? Or did God start with the field equations and create them in a certain way from which the principle of relativity follows? It really doesn't matter. But the point is, there is in physics a strong idea and a valid idea that's held out for 100 years that the laws of physics, the equations of physics, must be invariant with respect to motion. So this principle also is used by These, From these three principles, and a little intuition, Schwinger writes down field equations for all of what, at that time, were six fields. And we'll come to that in a little bit. Now, there's one other principle that you might invoke. It's called Occam's Razor. And I'm going to quote Frank Wilshire. As he says, to move from a particle description to a field description will be especially fruitful if the fields obey simple equations so that we can calculate the future values of fields from the values they have. Maxwell's theory of electromagnetism general relativity, quantum field theory, all have this property. Evidently, nature has taken the opportunity to keep things relatively simple by using fields. So, in addition to these other properties of fields, they're simple. They're not very simple. Uh, many people, including Einstein, have said we have to put in different ways, but we want to look for simple simplicity in nature, but no more, but we shouldn't expect too much simplicity. Nature always seems to be a little more complicated 
that we would like her to be. So, from those human principles, you can build up the following fields. So here you see six basic fields. Later on, and of course this is very important, we now know that the strong field and the baryon fields are made of more basic but invisible fields called quarks and gluons. They're distinguished by their spins. They all have quanta. Each field has a quanta. Of course, the graviton has never been observed for reasons that are obvious. But each other has a, a quantum associated with it, one or more quanta. They interact with different fields depending on their nature. Gravity interacts with everything. The electromagnetic field interacts with charged fields of any type, etc. And I've assigned to all of these fields an arbitrary imaginary color to help us visualize them. I keep the blue, green, purple, and brown for the force fields. I use yellow and red for the two matter fields. Force fields existed in physics before the particle picture came in for forces. It was Einstein, as you know, in 1905, who introduced the idea that the photon is a particle. Up until that time, there was no question that electromagnetism was fields. Faraday the brilliant uh, concept introduced this idea. Maxwell uh, put out the equations for it. Planck uh, introduced, as you know, the idea that the electromagnetic field is quantized. But it was Einstein who said it's made of particles. Einstein later changed his mind, but the idea that the photon is a particle stuck. But we can pretty much I think, having studied physics, we can accept the fact that forces, electromagnetism, gravity, strong, weak, are fields. But the matter field, the electron and proton, that's a little harder. Particles are so appealing. So let me just read to you these two quotes here. Uh, our Thompson has written a paper in the physical review called The Final The quantum nature of these fields follows the Schwinger's development from the quantum principle. Schwinger introduces the quantum principle of discretization leading to Hilbert algebra. And from this, creation operators come out and find that there are quanta. There are such things as field quanta. An electron is simply an energy increment that's spread out in Anthony Z has written a textbook called Quantum Field Theory in a Nutshell. He says, we thus interpret the physics contained in our simple field theory as follows. In a region in space-time, there exists a source that sends out a disturbance in the field, which is later absorbed in another region. Experimentalists choose to call this disturbance in the field the particle of mass M. I'm now going to show you some of the successes I'm going to start out with what I call Einstein's enigmas. 
the three things that puzzle people so much. They puzzle physicists, they puzzle the public. I'm going to start out with illustrations of how puzzling these enigmas are, and then I'm going to show you very quickly how quantum field theory resolves them. A journalist asked Sir Arthur Eddington, and you must know who that is, if it was true that he was one of only three people in the world who could understand Einstein's relativity theories, Eddington considered deeply for a moment and replied, I am trying to think who the third person is. Joe Bennett, a columnist, a humor columnist. A while back, I bought an idiot's guide to relativity, from which I learned things that I hadn't yet attained or anticipated. Because the way relativity theory is presented usually, nobody really understands it. I mean, you can parrot the words, but the concepts don't really make sense. How does quantum field theory resolve them? But there are four basic paradoxes that I've singled out. The fact that time dilates in moving systems. The fact that space, whoops, again, I'm not getting to this. That space contracts, the speed limit of nothing can go faster than light. The fact that mass increases in speed. In part, when you recognize that everything is made of fields, you don't have to start with Einstein's principle that the laws of physics are the same as you extend. You could. Uh, but you can also start with the field equations and how fields behave. And I'll just say quickly, things happen more slowly in a moving system because it's something like a spaceship is traveling. The fields must travel to a greater distance to each other. It makes sense. Objects contract because the motion affects in a similar way the interaction of fields to hold the object together. Nothing can go faster than light because the field equations have a constant c. The fields cannot propagate faster than that. Mass increases the speed because mass means resistance to acceleration. And if you can't accelerate beyond the speed of light, the mass must necessarily increase. It all makes sense. And I do want to read you this quote about the top-down versus the bottom-up and remind you of the history. When Einstein came along, Fitzgerald and Lawrence and Poincaré had already tried to explain the results of the Michelson-Morley experiment. In the case of Lorentz, he actually calculated the way electromagnetic forces propagated by the field would cause the traction of spatial dimensions. And he said, Einstein simply postulated what we reduce from the fundamental, and it says, I left out, but we reduce with great difficulty from the fundamental equations of the electromagnetic field. By doing so, we may certainly take credit for making the city not a fortuitous compensation, accidental compensation of opposing effects, but the manifestation of the general fundamental principle. Yet, I think, something may also be claimed in favor of the form which I have presented that's the bottom-up approach, where you say, this is the way fields behave, and all these other effects stop. The second of Einstein's enigmas came out in 1915, when he introduced the Next will be the uh, centennial of general relativity. Uh, and I start out with two jokes again. 
but he accompanied Stein Weitzman, who became was a brilliant chemist, who became the first president of Israel, I believe, uh, on a transatlantic trip. Weitzman said, Einstein explained this theory to me every day. And on my arrival, I was fully convinced that he understood. <laughs> and by the way, if anybody wants to read about Einstein, the best book, the best biography is Isaacson's that just came out five, ten years ago. He says that Einstein read every page of his theory out loud to Elsa's daughter, Margaret, pausing frequently to ask whether she indeed died. Yes, Albert, she invariably replied, even though as she confided to others. She found the whole thing quite <laughs> What is the resolution? The answer is forget curvature of space time, which nobody can really envision. We can make analogies and mathematically it works, but to really picture curvature of space, yes, if there were five dimensions, we could, but there aren't. When you think of gravity, it's Reinhardt and Hilchat. But being a field, you don't have any paradigms. Finally, you have climate mechanics, which is really the biggest paradigms of all. And again, to quote some jokes, I've already told you the second one. Climate um, this is the kind of thing. If anybody is responsible for the particle picture, it's Richard Feynman. And his diagrams. One had to lose common sense in order to perceive what was happening at the atomic level. He starts out his lecture. He says, don't expect to understand this. It doesn't make any sense. And poor Stephen Hawking, who is now perhaps the most popular physicist in the eye of the public. I am a positivist, where is my cursor? who believes that physical theory is this mathematical model we construct. It is meaningless to ask if it corresponds to reality. Just for the predict observations, he, like so many physicists, has given up on understanding reality. Well, very quickly, um, how are these quantum mechanical paradoxes resolved? There is no way to particle duality. There are no particles. Particle is explained by the fact that the field quantum lives and dies as a unit. The dies is called field collapse. The uncertainty principle is simply a statement that the field cannot localize its spread out, as in fact the uncertainty principle of Heisenberg is nothing more than the Fourier theorem of field. And there is no role of the observers. Field collapse takes place regardless of whether anyone is looking as a factor. And it's just to show one of the problems with the particle picture, why the particle picture of an atom with electrons in orbit doesn't make sense. The electrons can't be particles in orbit. If they were, they wouldn't explain any of these things. But the field picture, here you, have, here you have a more accurate picture. The picture I showed you before was symbolic to show that there's an electron field. But I didn't show you the shape of the field. The shape of the field is more complicated. This is a little more accurate, showing you oscillations in the field. And that picture explains everything. 
Okay, now we're going to go to the final part of the talk. Quickly through the successes, spin statistics. This is so important in physics. The difference between spin, between integral spin fields and half integral, half integer spin fields. Uh, I won't read this quote, but I'll just say that in quantum field theory, you can derive the screen of the spin statistics theorem that shows the difference between Fermi Dirac statistics and Boson statistics. I didn't realize this until I was writing my book. E equals mc squared, the theory that captures the imagination, that boggles the imagination of the world, falls right out of quantum field theory the way that a high school student can derive and gives a meaning to it. In quantum field theory, mass in the field equations cause oscillations. And the energy also is not recognized in 1900. It's also, uh, the energy is related to the frequency by the Planck law. Put the two equations together, P equals M6 squared. That's simple. I mentioned this Higgs field before, that Schwinger actually set the groundwork for. And now Sean Carroll, another physicist who is trying to tell people about quantum field theory, there is a Higgs field filling space that interacts with the particles moving through it. The Higgs boson is a particle we observe when we interact with the vibration in that field. Both of these ideas are part of quantum field theory, which we generally don't try to explain in physics popularization, but we should. And this is the final triumph. Wilczek's book, he wrote this book, The Lightness of Being. And he describes a calculation that's been done recently, which he calls one of the greatest scientific achievements of all time. They model uh, space with a lattice of points on the computer. It took a lot of computer power to do this. And they put in the equations for the fundamental fields, the quarks and gluons. So everybody knows that uh, quarks and gluons is the principle of confinement. You don't see them, they're invisible. But they are the constituents of the barium field and the strong force field of um, They put in these equations, they introduce some perturbations, and they see what comes out. And if they see a, an excitation of a certain mass, that's a particle, a stable particle. If they see an excitation that slowly dies out, that's an unstable particle. We know that the calculated masses coming out agree quite well with the observed values. Also remarkable is what you don't see. All of the basic inputs to the calculations are parts and gluons. They don't appear. The principle of confinement, which seems so weird and desperate, here appears as a footnote to complete and comprehensive reality matching. I believe this is one of the greatest achievements of all time. Okay, one postscript at the end. Feynman was responsible more than anybody. He didn't like fields. He didn't believe in fields. And I want to tell you, I can remember today a meeting of the American Physical Society where Schwinger and Feynman both spoke and Feynman steered quantum field theory. 
And then there's something he wrote also, he calls it a shell game. He calls Schlinger's calculations a shell game, which is a term for misleading of the feet of magic, a slight of hand. Wilczek says that Feynman told him that they realized something wrong. He found the fields that he, he says, rendered us for convenience, taking on the life of their own. He told me he lost confidence in his program of emptying space. Well, could he at least have told other people that he had changed his mind? But no. So I conclude by asking again the question, what does the electron look like? The answer is, of course, you decide. You can choose the quantum mechanics picture of particles in order, you can choose that picture with all the weirdness that Feynman and this exists, all the problems that I showed you, or you can choose the quantum field theory picture with all the successes, one of the greatest scientific achievements of all time. And it does matter, even if you have your own specialty to work on. It's wrong that the public goes around saying, duh, what part of quantum? Theory, don't you understand? Nobody understands it. I want to have a t-shirt that says, what part of quantum field theory don't you understand? I will explain it to you because anybody can understand it. So I was on this mission, and I learned all this. This is my retirement mission after I retired, and I wrote this book, Fields of Color, the theory that escaped Einstein. You can also look at this website, and you can even read several chapters in my book there. How other people in the physics community or outside the physics community to look into this, to try and learn about quantum field theory, because it does such a better job of describing reality. And reality, I, mean, I think we all agree, except for one person, does exist. And it is the job of physics to describe reality. Okay, thank you. I finished up this round.